Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, January 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. France is warning the U.S. about the repercussions of putting retaliatory tariffs on its tax on Google and Amazon. Boris Johnson is expected to push the European Commission to fast-track Brexit-related trade talks, and Spain is one step closer to its first coalition government in modern times. Plus, the FT's Katrina Manson reports on the fallout from the U.S. assassination of Qasim Soleimani. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. France is warning the U.S. to check its tariff strategy. On Tuesday, the U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer will hold a hearing about proposed tariffs on France. The tariffs would be in retaliation for France putting a digital services tax on the likes of Google and Amazon. But France's finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, said the U.S. could face further retaliation if they do this. Mr. Le Maire wrote a letter to Mr. Lighthizer last week in which he called the idea of tariffs a, quote, highly disproportionate response to the digital tax. He said any tariffs by the U.S. would, quote, durably affect the transatlantic relationship at a time when we need to stand united. Mr. Le Maire added that France is in touch with the European Commission and EU member states. And according to the letter, they're debating various options to defend their trade rights. The issue could go beyond the relationship between France and the U.S., Italy is planning on bringing in a similar digital tax this year. The UK, Austria, and Turkey are set to levy their own such tax in the next few months. This week, Boris Johnson is expected to pressure new European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen to get the ball rolling on a trade deal. Trade negotiations are expected to be intense. Last week, Ms. von der Leyen suggested that the UK Prime Minister would need more time to negotiate. But allies of Mr. Johnson's say that he will insist that a trade deal can be agreed on and done in 2020, and that he won't stand for any extension of the transition period that's due to end on December 31st. If a trade deal with the EU is not in place by that time, Mr. Johnson has said Britain would trade on the terms set in place by the World Trade Organization. That means tariffs, quotas, and a host of regulatory checks between the UK and EU. Mr. Johnson is currently targeting a deal that removes tariffs and quotas, but still leaves other customs-related rules-of-origin paperwork. It also won't cover services. The more immediate task for Mr. Johnson is to get Parliament to pass his withdrawal agreement bill before the end of the month. After last month's general election, conservatives hold an 80-MP majority, making it a relatively sure thing the bill will pass. And Spain is getting closer to something it hasn't seen in modern times, a coalition government. Last year, Spain had two general elections, and both times, no clear majority emerged. On Sunday, though, Parliament voted in favor of Spain's caretaker prime minister, Socialist Party leader Pedro Sánchez, working with the radical left Podemos party. But the measure just barely passed. The vote was 166 to 165 which on its own is not enough to install the coalition. The measure needed an absolute majority. So Parliament will vote again on Tuesday. This time, Mr. Sanchez will only need a relative majority, more MPs in favor of a coalition government than against it. Then Mr. Sanchez can begin a new term as prime minister. But the idea of a coalition was not without significant pushback. The leader of the main center-right opposition party labeled Mr. Sanchez a sociopath and called the possible coalition a nightmare government. 
and here's a story you should know more about. Over the weekend, a four-day funeral for Qasim Soleimani began. As part of the funeral, the body of the Iranian general will be taken to five of the holiest sites for Shia Muslims. Soleimani was killed during an American airstrike on Baghdad airport last week. His assassination dramatically escalates an already tense relationship between the U.S. and Iran. Iran has already taken some decisive actions, like pulling back from the 2015 nuclear deal. The FT's Katrina Manson has more from Washington. The monumental culmination of of several years of antipathy between the U.S. and Iran came to a head not with military action, but with Iran saying it is effectively bowing out of the nuclear pact that limited its nuclear weapons program. Now, of course, the U.S. has already abrogated its part in this deal back in 2018. Um, That was one of the kind of campaign promises of Donald Trump, and he followed through with it, much to the despair of his allies in Europe, France, Germany, and Britain, as well as Russia and China, who are all signatories to this deal. And the deal subsequently has limped on. Iran has pretty much maintained its commitments under that International Atomic Energy Agency, which which monitors the deal. And that is significant because Iran is trying to have it both ways. It's trying to say to Donald Trump, well, there you go. We are developing our nuclear weapons and you can't stop us. But we're also trying to keep the signatories of that deal on side so that we don't lose the sole diplomatic backing that we can find, which comes from the Europeans, Russia and China, and has been useful leverage against the Americans. They've, they've been a um, regularly a useful counterweight to Mr. Trump's aggression. So, Katrina, the big question heading into the weekend was how both countries would respond. Iran's president, Hassan Rouhani, vowed tough revenge and warned that Iran's response would be long and drawn out. The leader of Iran's Revolutionary Guard said the country would put an end to the U.S. presence in the region. Then on Saturday night, Donald Trump took to Twitter. What did he say? Well, on Saturday night, he tweeted that he had 52 Iranian sites in his targets, some at a very high level and important to Iran and the Iranian culture. And he said that those targets and Iran itself will be hit very hard and very fast. These 52 sites, he said, represent the 52 American hostages who were taken by Iran back in 1979. This was uh, during a humiliating embassy siege that lasted more than a year when 52 U.S. diplomats and officials were taken under siege in Iran. And this wears very heavily on the American psyche. Certainly people in the administration today and many military figures remember it really quite clearly. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Iraq for a second, because they're somewhat caught in the middle here. Of course, Soleimani was killed at the Baghdad airport. How does Iraq fit into this whole picture? Well, on Sunday, the parliament in Iraq launched a really quite unprecedented debate to throw out U.S. troops. And that vote was passed. The decision isn't legally binding, but it puts a great deal of pressure on the government in Iraq to send home U.S. troops. Now, the U.S. has... 5,000 or so troops in Iraq, and they're part of a 76-country coalition to defeat ISIS, but really led by the US. 
And so the idea that the US would ship out of Iraq is really against everything the US has fought for since the US-led invasion of Iraq in 2003 that toppled Saddam Hussein. State Department officials I've been speaking to have said they absolutely want to stay in Iraq. Since um, Saddam Hussein was toppled, the two main foreign powers that have had any influence in Iraq are Iran and the US. And they're at loggerheads with each other outside of Iraq. And they're certainly at loggerheads with each other inside Iraq. And so Iraq now is in a very complicated place because some people in the government have sympathies towards Iran. There are various Iraqi militias that are actually part of the formal Iraqi security forces establishment that are backed by Iran. And so it's a very complex picture. And the US worked quite hard to try and make sure that not enough people turned up to parliament to even have the debate. But it did actually reach sufficient numbers for the debate to go ahead. And so that's a real defeat of of US policy in the region. And in fact, on Sunday, the US military mission there to defeat ISIS called Operation Inherent Resolve, they declared that they're pausing their activities against ISIS, so a complete suspension of all US aims in the country, um, in order to protect their own people inside bases. So this is a really fragile moment for Iraq. Mr. Trump told reporters on Sunday night that if the US is forced to leave Iraq, the White House would retaliate with sanctions. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.